Welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie. Greetings and welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie, a retro podcast dedicated to the pop culture of the 80s, 90s and zeros. My name is Jason. I'm Chris. No Rich or Steve this time, but we are joined, luckily, by Games Master Legend, Mr. Rick Henderson. Welcome to the Wolfie Pod, mate. Uh, your absolute pleasure. Looking forward to this. Yeah, we're, uh, we're very excited to have you on. We've been a long time fan since, since the Games Master day, so to actually be able to interact with you one-on-one is uh, is very, very cool. It's also to prove I'm a real person and not just a Nicholas Linder standing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to say, well, um, I should put a disclaimer actually these days, shouldn't we, when we have a guest on that, our guest is not AI generated. <laughs> and not in, it, It's the I bit in that that is definitely not. <laughs> yeah, this is the real deal, the real Rick Henderson. So uh, yeah, welcome, mate. We do have a few Games Master questions to ask you, but... Also in this episode, we will be going through some of your favourite films, TV shows and video games, which is, I always kind of hate pitting this question to our guests because I know personally, like, it must be a really hard question to answer considering the amount of, like, gold there is out there to choose from. But I think that you've come up with some stellar answers and uh, we look forward to diving into those a little bit later. But as I mentioned, we do have some Games Master questions. We can't have you on without asking you some. There will, there will be no reference to the to the Dave Perry incident because that has all been said and done in the oral history and on many other podcasts. So if you're searching for answers to that, then please go and search elsewhere. We have <laughs> much other stuff to discuss. And the first question, Rick, is like if anyone is listening that doesn't know who you are, who are you? Right. Um, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I, I essentially am Rick Henderson, most famous for Games Master, Games World, famous Christmas TV ads of the, of the <laughs> 90s, which appeared on Channel 5 one year. And then was repeated every single year for about ten years. Wow! So that was good quite. Boy, good. That was. I, was prob- I probably actually ended up on that more than I ended up on Games Master. <laughs> and uh, but my background essentially is as a journalist, and how I got into Games Master in the first place is I actually started as a video games journalist in 1987-88, and then edited loads of video games magazines. Um, worked for some of the famous ones like computer and video games at times but I've done an awful lot else since I was I've been a sports editor I've been (laughs) I've done so much but I also produced a lot of the tv shows I didn't produce on Games Master but I did produce the tv series Games World I've produced the tv series Virtual World of Sport which nobody ever saw I then went to the BBC and did two shows that nobody ever saw so in fact, I've done an awful lot of output that only I have seen. I'm like an anti-YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully that gives a thing. And at the moment, I currently work for a website called pocketlint.com, which is a technology and video games website. Really good fun and lets me just pretty much do what I want. Yeah, I'm very jealous of your day job at the moment, Rick, because 
Um, obviously, I follow you on Twitter and like some of the stuff that you get to play with. It uh, looks really much, very much good fun. And it must be quite, it must be quite fun for you to be able to play with this latest technology and oh, tech yeah. and then hugely, just write words about it. Hugely. The stuff that I get through the door and also the stuff that I go to see. And I, go, I mean, I am in a very fortunate position with my job in the fact that I get to fly around the world, or at least I have done over the last few years. The pandemic kind of put a kibosh on that for a bit. Yeah. You know, I've been to most countries i've ever wanted to be to just to look at some technology but uh and also sort of like cock about when you're not actually having to do something sure. but there's but there's also things like um you know i get to see the latest televisions i have all of the video games consoles i've reviewed pretty much every single video games console since the sega mega drive so um so i've seen everything like that um i see phones and tablets and cars yeah it's a it's a great job and really good fun and the thing is and it never gets tired because technology is constantly moving constantly yeah. shifting and it's like you said at the top of the show um artificial intelligence i mean yeah. who saw that who saw it coming so quickly and so powerfully in the, the last few weeks have just been yeah. incredible for ai well, it, it feels like at the beginning of this year that there was nothing being mentioned about about that and like chat gtp whatever it's called and ai art that's been generated and then all of a sudden you know we're only in the middle of february at the time of recording and it's just all over the place yeah yeah I, uh, previously we were we were having arguments with real people over chat lines on <laughs> customer services and now we're having raving raging arguments with artificial intelligent customer <laughs> services it's, it's yeah amazing. that's that's one thing, like the AI art, it blew up sort of late last year, didn't it? Sort of August to October or so, it became this massive thing. Everyone's doing it, it had the Dale Mini came out, and then they were changing the algorithm a little bit, and then making, then there's, was it, there's another generator called Midjourney, isn't there now? Yeah. That is doing some amazing stuff. And again, I'm not a sponsor, not plugging them, but... I'm a fan of the Corridor Digital channel on YouTube and they are visual effects artists that kind of refuse to work in Hollywood because of really bad experiences. So they do their own little short films and they do independent stuff for like ad advertising agencies and video games. They've done a lot for Halo recently. and um, But they've been experimenting with AI algorithms and coding. And some of the stuff that they pushed out is phenomenal. It looks hand-painted. It was It is that good. And even they're worried that you know, if they can, if in 20 seconds a program can produce this artwork or this apparent CG render of something, then what does that hold for the future of visual effects? Um, one thing that and, uh, I, I wrote the other day about it, kin the Kindle ebook store is absolutely being inundated with books written by ChatGPT mm -hmm. and illustrated by things like Dali. Yeah. Which is extraordinary. I mean, there is a there is a, a a moral issue about that if you're not transparent about it. But an awful lot of them say this genuinely was written by Chat GPT, and they're actually making some money out of it. And I, I do think it's it's going to get to a point where it becomes a very normal part of our lives. And that's quite it, scary, considering you know people like us. We've all seen Terminator, <laughs> Terminator Two, and Skynet, and everything. And like, and I'm sure the the generations of now obviously don't hold that in the back of their in their brain a little tiny bit because they may not have seen the film but for, for people like us who have and have grown up with the terminator films <laughs> it does to me anyway like slightly in the back of my brain going oh here we Sky. go it's going to get cleverer and cleverer yeah but Skynet. it's mad absolutely mad and fascinating equally fascinating 
Although, technically, Games Master himself was an AI. He wasn't, but he was. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? <laughs> he, he was he a forerunner was to it. I mean, technically, they could bring him back as, an, as a... Um, they could, couldn't as they? As a deep mm-hmm. fake, wow. and they, they genuinely could. Maybe the, the next series of the new Games Master will Although do that. I d- I did like Trevor McDonald, so that is true. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was, I thought he, he was, was the best part. Was that was he? actually yeah. an inspired casting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought so as well. I loved him as it. Yeah, back to the old Games Master anyway, and like Games Master had a ton of famous faces go through its doors over the years, and we we were just wondering if there was like a particular person you heard was coming that you was really excited to meet, and if you did get to meet them, oh, I hope yeah. they weren't a disappointment. Several, uh, Phil Babb. I'm a massive Liverpool football fan. So Phil Babb, the Liverpool footballer, when he came in, that was a that was a big moment for me. That so, but that was the only problem was, and and it's not that he, it, but he he wasn't the biggest games fan. Like there were other footballers we had on the show, like Chris Armstrong from Tottenham, who genuinely were massive gamers. So they were as thrilled to come in through the doors as we were to receive them. So, uh, but and Phil Bab wasn't. So that was a shame. But he was definitely one of those. I went, wow, that is that is pretty cool. And I was really happy to meet him. I didn't get. I was the disappointment was I didn't get to meet these these two who I I was a huge fan of the TV show Fists of Fun mm-hmm. with Richard Herring and Stuart Lee, and to the extent where I was. Uh, when I heard that they were coming in to do a challenge, and I can't remember who commentated on that one, it might have been Derek Lynch, that I I was meant to go home, but I actually hung around just to watch the challenge from the sides. And I was hoping to meet them, and mm. unfortunately I never got to. I think someone sort of like shepherded me off or, or some, something happened and I didn't get to meet them. And that would have been... I, that is, I mean, they're not the biggest names, but they, to me, were at that time in the 90s, they were like the comedy heroes of mine in many respects so that was a shame other people that I, I did meet that I just thought were absolutely brilliant Zoe Ball yeah. Zoe Ball for the girly episode as we called yeah. it was one of the nicest funniest people I've ever met on a TV set she was she was happy to do anything that would make the TV show better and that for me was like that that was the yardstick by which all celebrities should have been and so I was really pleased about that another one actually another one exactly down that same line nicest person ever really would was happy to do anything it took to make the show better was Danny John Jules cat from Red Dwarf (laughs) that would be fantastic yeah he was so cool he was such a nice bloke (laughs) and genuinely um hung around and just chatted to us. It was like Zoe Ball as well. She hung around afterwards and, and stuff like that. I mean, I've done other shows beyond that that I've ended up working with people that I can't believe I ended up working with. Like, for example, I did a show for Sky called... Oh, what, was it, what was it called? I can't even remember the name of it now. Where um, where I worked with Trevor and Simon. Well, cool. And again, having yeah. sort of like... I, I mean, I wasn't particularly young. But I was watching them on in Saturday mornings throughout my life at that point they were properly people that I was going oh my god I'm really nervous about meeting these and then I worked with them and then I ended up going to the pub with them often and you just go that's incredible that is just genuinely brilliant and I've and the other thing about Games Master as well and I think what people may not some people might know this already some people might not have got this from from the show but we were essentially we were a bunch of people who mostly 
people who had never done television before, or at least not much television before, who were thrust into it, who made it up as we went along and were more a load of mates making a TV show that we thought was funny. So any celebrities, we didn't see ourselves in that category at all. So we were always sort of starstruck, always with everybody who came through the doors because we didn't put ourselves in the same category at all. And so, you know, there were, I, I'm trying to remember all the different people. I mean, there were some people that weren't very nice. No. <laughs> some yeah. people no, that I, that that. I yeah. struggled with. Yeah. Um, but there were mostly all the, it, it, all the people, I, even the, uh, even the presenters. And now this, this goes back to when I very first started get on Games Master personally, I started as a researcher on, Games World about a about soon after series one of Games Master had finished. So I'd been watching Games Games Master series one. I was a fan who oh, ended up been, getting a job. That must have been very surreal for you then. Yeah. So I, I, I had interviewed Dominic Diamond the year before for my magazine on the build up to Games Master coming onto TV, but hadn't obviously spoken to him, didn't know him, and I kind of was a bit starstruck by him. So I ended up going going on um joining the company and going to Games Master Live in Birmingham, which was the first time I met Dominic. And I went out for a meal with Dominic and we just clicked. But at the yeah. same time, as I was going, I can't believe this is Dominic Diamond. I can't believe I'm having a meal with Dominic Diamond. So it was very weird that like three years later, I was actually on screen sharing screen time with Dominic. So it, it and still to this day, there's a little bit of me and I won't admit it to him, but he might listen to this, that I am still a bit starstruck by him because he is a presence. He's so, he's when I did lots and lots of other TV after Games Master. I did lots of TV for different companies. I made television shows about video games for lots of different places. And I always said I wanted to work with Dominic again. He was the best person I've ever worked with. He was the most professional person I ever worked with. But he also made you feel really comfortable. And that, I think, is the tie-in element between him, Zoe Paul, Danny John Jules, is that they made you feel comfortable. So even if you're a little bit starstruck, by the end of it, you feel like you've made something special. You feel like mates. Yeah. Dexter Fletcher was another one. Dexter Fletcher was another one that I went, I can't believe I'm... Because I was a big press gang fan. Um, and I interviewed... I was the one that auditioned Dexter Fletcher for Games Master. So it is my fault, essentially. But I, um, but he was excellent in that yeah. interview. He was brilliant. And what a lovely lad. And yeah, then I ended up doing another Games Master Live, this time with him, where we did a show live from Birmingham. And he was brilliant. And we spent a good day together having a good laugh and playing on the dodgems and doing all manner of normal things and I can't and I and I remember thinking I can't believe I, I'm doing this with Dexter Fletcher and of course he's gone on to even better things now I mean he's now you know he's now a big movie director so so good on him I'm really yeah. pleased for him and I mean and as, as we all know now these days like it was uh, series three games master was never really uh, Dexter's fault anyway because he did the best that he could at the time with what he was given and it was more so backroom stuff yeah. really wasn't it that was oh yeah it, there was so much throwing. trouble on games master series three it was there was a lot of flux behind the scenes and dominic leaving really did throw a cat amongst the pigeons it really did and the and that series i mean i was on games world at that time and games world was had become at hewland around that time almost the flagship show because we were making a show for sky that was five times a week so every single weekday for 26 weeks and half an hour a show 
So, yeah. you know, we were making two and a half hours of TV programming every week for t- for half a year. I'm so, exhausted just hearing that. Yeah, so it was a massive <laughs> operation, Mad. Games yeah. World. Games World was a huge operation. So we were getting a lot more attention at that time because it needed it. And, of course, it sort of like... And then Dominic had left Games Master and it threw that up in the air. So kind of everything changed. Everything changed around the same time. And Dexter kind of got caught up in it. The other problem Dexter had was he's an actor, not presenter. He had never presented anything. He was an actor. And on top of that, he was only really known for having an American accent in Press Gang. Yeah, that is true. So he came on screen and spoke in his normal accent and went, right in, how are you all doing? <laughs> yeah. And the amount of complaints we got, why is he doing a stupid Cockney accent? Why is that American coming over here and doing a stupid Cockney accent? And it wasn't, that was him. Yeah. So, so immediately it failed, immediately. Yeah. And I felt very, very sorry for him. He was actually a really nice lad and he didn't deserve the backlash that it got. I mean, I never really had a pro. I quite liked Dexter. I really loved his loved the accent, and I don't know if it's because I'm I'm a, a southerner boy as well. I've kind of grown up in Essex, so I've always been quite close to London and people and East London people, and yeah, with, with that kind of accent. So it never really jarred me as much, I guess. So I, I always quite liked liked it watching series three of Games Master and going, "All right, mate, here we go." All I that kind of stuff, you know. He came into his own actually in in the second half of the season when they decided to get rid of the almost the old Games Master format and then turn it into that tournament. Yeah, where they did it in the prison, which I which is now a Malmazon in Oxford, which and I have stayed in one of the cells have you? because it's now a hotel. <laughs> um, and and I remember going back and I re- and the thing is I was I was there because I was going to uh, an F one uh, race at the, one of the. Um, uh, British Grand Prix and I was in that hotel and I was going I recognise this hotel why do I recognise this hotel and I couldn't for the life of me point thing and then I suddenly somebody said that's because Games Master was filmed here in that, that season and so there you go what, what roundabout circles isn't it yeah it really does oh. sometimes it's yeah. very odd but also your games reviews and you know what was it like reviewing games with games master was it always like a rush to get them ready or, or did you did you have the luxury of some time to try and prepare and get it ready oh here's a behind the curtain kind of a wizard of oz moment it was horrible and the reason why it was horrible was because we had about two to three days to film all of the reviews for the entire series just two days actually it was just two days per series and i on one of the series, I was at Hewland, so it was a little bit easier. But the second series, I think series six, I was actually working at EMAP Publishing, EMAP Images, make uh, as deputy editor of PC... Rev- I can't even remember the name of the... PC Review magazine. And so I wasn't there while they had all the games in. And I was on a PC games magazine. So I'd only really seen PC games at that point, apart from playing a few games at home, on you know... Or whatever console it was at the time so we would 
I would get a call and we would have to film, I can't remember how many episodes, but how many game reviews, about, say, 20 game reviews in a day. And a lot of those I hadn't seen, literally, the day we're filming. So I would end up having to go there, sit in a room, play it for an hour, then review it. And in fact, I say an hour, hours being generous. <laughs> so That must be really tough because... It was really, I, really tough. To, to come up with, a, you know, a, a, a thought process, you know, a, an idea of what that game is about and, and to come up with, you know, stuff to yeah. say about the game in such a short space of time and not make yourself look like a fool. Well, that was... that. I don't think I managed that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the... It's why I'm, if you ever watch them back, it's why I'm quite vague in that yeah. series about video games, about some of them. Some of them I'd seen. I mean, some some of the games I'd either played at home because they'd sent me a, a check disc. Because also the other thing is we filmed so far in advance on Games Master to uh, when it went out that a lot of the games were very early code, very mm. early, and not review code. You know, nowadays um, we... If I'm reviewing a game, and I still still do it very often, I, Hogwarts Legacy, I think, was the last game I reviewed, that I will have played that game for about a week before launch. I'll be sent it about a week before it's actually on sale. I'll get a good four days or so to review it by an embargo. So at least I've played it for four days. And I'll almost it's almost like I'll just cram that in and I'll just sit there and I'll play and play and I play and I play. With Games Master, we were sent code months in advance of the game coming out. So a lot of those games were barely recognisable to the game that actually even came out because they were very, very early, bug-ridden, the lot. So there was a hell of a lot of vagueness. You had to be because you sort of like went, oh, well. But then at the same time, and this is this is why me and Dave worked really well as a review partnership, it's because both of us were very experienced journalists at that time, games journalists. I'd been yeah. doing it. I'd been doing it for over seven, eight years by that point, And now like over 30 years. But by that point, about seven years, I'd been a games journalist. So I had seen a lot of games, a hell of a lot of games up to that point. So if it was a new version of street fighter 2 it was easy because I, I i knew what to look for immediately i didn't have to spend too much time with the game to know that it was going to be good or it wasn't going to be good and but i didn't go into too much detail purely because what we didn't want to do is we didn't want to say something that ended up not in the final game or or that we didn't have too much knowledge of it's also why we kind of avoided big long games that took like more than five six hours to play in them days, it was a little bit easier. I mean, now God, I can't even yeah, imagine right. how we'd do it. You know, <laughs> you know, Skyrim. Oh, how God. on earth would yeah. you review Skyrim? I think <laughs> so. Um, yeah, uh, it, I, I, that was how it. That was that was the process of the reviews. And the other the other thing that we saw reviews as, and this again, it worked best when it was me and Dave. I thought is because we had very con contrary opinions about video games. Dave was really a beat 'em up fan and was very much into sort of like the combos and the sort of like the more hardcore gaming. I was very much a f sports game fan and I was very much into sort of like long play and and long leading. And so it worked it worked brilliantly because when one of us didn't quite know the game as well as the other one, the other one genuinely had a good idea. Yeah. And so so we could just bounce off each other. And sometimes even argue with each other. I, I liked that. That was a good yeah. dynamic where I remember there was one, I think it might have been a Mortal Kombat, which is the only beat em up series I liked. And I seem to remember that Dave didn't like Mortal Kombat. So it became a full-on argument. And they went, this is, this is brilliant. We'll use this. 
I think as a viewer as well, we were, we were obviously the reviews were always part of Games Master that we always expected to see. But I think at this point in time, that this was the best time for the reviews on Games Master because you had that you had that kind of yin yin yang kind of thing going yeah. on between you, and it made it more interesting to to get those different opinions about the same game instead of just hearing the same ones kind of thing or just hearing one opinion from one person to to get that different opinions about the one game. Yeah. Just made it that ever so more interesting. There's a good anecdote as well about the reviews is because we were filming it in a block with that was separate because what they would do is they would hire a separate little studio because the Games Master was made on a on a location it was either in a studio like um series seven was made in the same st- on the same lot as the big brother house in a studio where blur filmed their country house video whereas series six was that was uh, atlantis wasn't it so that was that was in a church that was converted into atlantis and then thing but they were done in a block booking so they would they would be filmed over a two-week period every single episode was over a two-week period on that set the reviews and the games master himself were filmed on a blue screen in a tiny little studio in soho quite a distance away from when they filmed the main show so it'd be months it'd be well it'd be either it'd be weeks if not a month or two and um <laughs> i seem to remember i completely forgot that i was meant to be doing the reviews so i'd done the whole series it might have been series six of reviews um uh, sorry of the main filming with stupid yellow hair after trying to dye it blonde and it going horribly wrong and then i got a call saying we need to do the the news i'd shaven my head oh no <laughs> i'd completely shaved my head and continuity was all to cock so i ended up wearing a hat in the whole thing oh uh, okay to disguise the fact that I'd actually shaved my head. <laughs> and I got loads and loads of uh, letters saying, why do you always wear that stupid hat? <laughs> <laughs> Are you just a Dave Perry impersonator? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I can see. I see what you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that's essentially the review's process on games master it was it was good it was good to do it i mean it was okay when i was working at uh, hewland because on games world we also did reviews and it would generally be the same code because the company would send us a, a you know a, a cartridge for the mega drive that was pre-release code and we'd review it on both so i had seen most of the games at that point because i'd go into the games room and i'd sit down with richard wilcox who was one of the producers on games master and actually sit there and what look at all the games with him but that one series where i wasn't working at hewland at the time that was the one that was really tricky and like i mean it must have been was it quite exciting for you to to get these kind of pre-released versions i mean i guess you've you've seen versions of games yeah. that no one really will see uh, to be honest by that point i was and it's like it's like even now it becomes your job after a while and yeah and i i've never stopped knowing that that is an exciting thing and that i am very privileged however it's just it's as normal as yeah. clocking in yeah. it's 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 something that's i've had now since i literally left school so you know for a good 35 years or so yeah, um, no, that i've that. always seen games before they come out and and also the other thing is i'm a massive games fan and always have been and play, will play anything and i will play things until till they i finish them or for hours and hours and hours i chuck 140 hours into one game I'll, I'll and i play games daily and i still do on all of the different formats i love it i absolutely love gaming however when you get sent a game to review it's a very different experience because you 
are playing that game to get to a point where you are knowledgeable enough about that game to write about it or talk about it. And that can ruin that game for you because you're not really enjoying the gameplay aspect of it. It's a very different thing. And that's something that sometimes I'll get sent a game that I really want that I turn down as a review because I really want to play it. Yeah. And that and that I seem to remember that 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 happened quite a lot on Games Master where we would get something in and I go I really don't want to I don't want to spoil it for myself. I think on the flip side of it is that I have discovered some games that I may not have played before, uh, may not have played in a usual sense had I not had to review them. Yeah. Um. Certainly, a lot of indie games that yeah. I've then gone. This is this is absolutely genius. This is brilliant. But I might never have even picked it up before. So there is a sort of like a, a slight uh, benefit to it as well. Yeah, it's, it, but that Games Master was a very weird one purely because, and it's like um, I'd said at the top of the top of the podcast that I did um, best Christmas TV ads for Channel Five, and again, it's a very similar kind of thing. Those talking head shows, and I would say that the reviews on Games Master were very much like that, where you you go in, there's a there's a seat, and you're up against blue screen or or what have you, and they just go right. You're going to be talking about Soda Stream. Um, here's the advert, and then they show you the advert in case you didn't remember it, and most people wouldn't because it it was a 1970s advert, and you suddenly go right, okay, and then they go right, we're rolling, and you go the Soda Stream advert was. <laughs> you know it's like and you have to turn it on even though you've literally just seen it for the probably for the first time well big kudos to you there mate because i know if that was me i'd be just uh standing there i'm in an iron that happened um, a lot yeah the garth from from wayne's world moment where you just walk out oh that happened a hell of a lot (laughs) especially on games world i couldn't i couldn't do it um, on Games World, I was a, a as well as being the producer, I was a character called the Violet Blade, which was one of the videators that played kids at games. And one of the things that we had to do, and this is this is one of the reasons why Consultation Zone was cancelled on Games Master as well, is that you had to come out and 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 we got the videators to do the cheat codes for one of the shows on Games World. And it would be literally the script would be to get to level thirty two as a cheat you have to press a b up down left right (laughs) right button (laughs) left button left button twice and genuinely and the way we used to do it is we didn't sort of like film a little bit and then pick up a piece of paper read it and then film a little bit to finish we'd do it all to camera and the amount of times where i would just go I've no idea what this is. How can you <laughs> memorise an entire cheat code that's like 20 different steps long? It used to freak me out. And because yeah. I was also the producer, it was my money I was wasting. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, and that is one of the reasons why the consultation zone was taken off for Games Master as well. Because yeah. it just became a, a, a litany of just button presses that you had to remember. It was horrible. And the trouble then, you know, back in those days, we, we would have to like, record that on a vhs and then play it back bit by bit <laughs> because and also i hate to say this is another behind the curtain say thing some of those didn't work <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> we did uh, oh, i seem no. to remember the researchers didn't always have the chance to check every single one i'm surprised you didn't get a lot of hate mail there and go we tried this code that was on under consultation and it was like probably it didn't did. work Probably did. <laughs> Probably did. We used to get sack loads. I mean, there was a time when we used to get sack loads of, of mail for Games Master, certainly. Did you ever um, r- ruffle through? 
some of well some of them would be addressed to us so some of them would be addressed to dominic some would be addressed to me some some to kirk a lot to dave dave got a hell of a lot of fan mail funny Did enough he? yeah oh yeah i mean you know because I, i've said this quite a few times dave was very much the video gamer of the team on mm-hmm. games master and he was so he was the one that if we, if it was a youtube channels if we each had a youtube channel dave's would be the hardcore gaming channel it, he, he would be the one that people would follow because they want really strong gaming content. Mine, Kirk's and Dominic's would be <laughs> if they wanted to pe- people to just cock about with Nerf guns <laughs> in a park somewhere. <laughs> so, I kind of want to see that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask Kirk if he can yeah. uh, meet me for a Nerf gun fight at some point. Yeah, I love a Nerf gun fight. Oh, my God. <laughs> it has been so many years... I a young cousin that always bought Nerf guns and oh, Nerf guns. I love it. Legendary. As part of my job, I go to the toy fair every year. And oh they've my always, god! They've how always you, got the. How do you get Nerf. into getting paid for doing this? I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and they always have the Nerf area and stuff like that. I, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But yeah, so so yeah. Um, Dave Dave got hell of a lot of uh, fan mail because he got all the sort of like the more hardcore gaming fan mail. Mm-hmm. After all, he was the games animal. He was indeed, uh, yeah. And uh, and me, me and Dominic used to get. I got a lot of um, gay fan mail, oh, okay. which yeah, which was I I was really proud of. I'm not, I'm you know I'm a straight man, but I was very proud of that. I, very flattering. I very, yeah, and ha- it, and it also showed that it was. And this is the thing: a lot of people used to say that Games Master was quite had a very specific audience young male that was that was a lot of people thought that but not according to our our fan mail and the people we always met and the people we've even spoken to since we had quite a wide range of different people watch games master really did and it was good to know that they were out there quite intrigued in your fan mail now because like was, I, did you did you ever <laughs> open one and it was like oh what yeah mm. oh there was some there was one lady who used to send all of us some art (laughs) it's the best way of saying it (laughs) yeah and and every series we'd always get a a bit of art from (laughs) and we go oh hello um uh, yeah don't know what to do with this it was quite gracious art (laughs) (laughs) uh no it was about you know if you've ever walked past two consecutive kebab shops you might know oh, what's okay. going on yep oh. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> it was a bit meaty is the best way i can say it the um <laughs> oh god oh dear and the funny thing is i haven't thought about that for years mm-hmm. i genuinely haven't i've literally <laughs> only just thought about that right now there are so there are so many things there are ep- entire episodes that I was on that i have no recollection doing mm-hmm and okay. that is that is quite a thing, and that people just sort of say to me, "Oh, do you remember doing this?" And I go, "With whom? Why? I don't. I, don't. I genuinely don't." Are you quite grateful that they're all on YouTube now, so you can go back and go? Yeah. Oh. Oh, well, somebody, I, it was, this was brilliant. Somebody who's it was a really big fan had recorded every single episode, had them all on VHS, and decided to clean them up, run them through some kind of um, sort of AI to to make them look a bit better, and then burnt DVDs, but also did it in a box set, so with proper. DVD covers and a proper oh, nice. box and everything, and sent me one. 
Oh, that's so amazing. So I've got literally every single series, every single episode on a DVD box set. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm genuinely, of going to, I wish I'd even had half the thought of doing something similar for things like Games World. And the the show that I'm most, is the one that I forgot at the top of the show, um, the, the show that I forgot, I've forgotten the name of, I, uh, that Trevor and Simon were in, I wish I had genuinely i wish i had recorded at least one episode of that because it was done for the sky's computer channel which i actually helped create to begin with but it was a video games competition show again and the 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 commentator was first charlie brooker for half a season Mm -hmm. he was uh, dressed as a monk for i can't remember why and then he left and they asked me to take over from charlie brooker Wow. So I <laughs> came in and you couldn't get two opposites of comedy in yeah. that respect because Charlie Brooker was all very clever, very, I mean, Charlie Brooker-esque. And then I came in and did tons of knob gags. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> While 11-year-olds played games. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, dressed as a monk for no apparent reason. <laughs> And I wish I'd got at least one episode of that on tape. But, yeah. I, I, you know, yeah, it would, would help if I actually remembered what the name was. Yeah. For starters. I think there's a market. Like, I mean, like you you saying, like, you've got every single Games Master episode on a, on a box set. I mean, and there's plenty of people, including myself, who would do happily pay, like, a Kickstarter for something like that. And yeah, uh, well, we tried. I, I, I didn't try, but somebody tried to get the rights to be able to do it and do it as a professional yeah. thing. Because the tapes do still exist. The original yeah. tapes of the of the show do still exist. Future owns them all. Right. Okay. Um, Future Publishing. Yeah. Who made the very recent Games Masters TV series, the, re- yep. the sort of like the rehash, and they could technically do that. But but the problem is, is that the rights are kind of kind of weird because while future owns the rights to games master channel four owns half the rights to the shows and channel four have never signed it off because because of the look of it i wish they'd do something like um like the beat but like bbc4 do with top of the pops where they clean them up and they put them out i would happily i would happily see that and i think people would watch them as well even on television for a you know that retro feel yeah the games are old and things but the actual spirit of the show's remains today but it's it's like um a time capsule games master especially because of the amount of different things that were covered on the show not just the games but like when dominic went on his travels and like he'd go to film sets and he'd go to uh universal studios and go on the jurassic park ride all those kind of things as well as all the games as well and it and it's such a great like preservation for that kind of st- stuff and that time that yeah it it should definitely be I don't know. This it feels like there should definitely be something done with it, you know. And if 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 they if everyone can sort it out, so Goldeneye can return, yeah, then, yeah. you know, why not Games Master too? Oh, right, right to your local representative, representative <laughs> of Channel Four and Future Publishing, and yeah. see see what can be done there. It would, yeah, I would exactly. happily happily like to see that. I remember Challenge TV when that first came about. That mm-hmm. actually did start broadcasting it again. I thought they might get to later episodes, but I think they did series one and then they did series two and it just stopped, mm-hmm. which is a real shame because that would have been, you know, I, to be fair, I didn't sign, my contract didn't have repeat rights anyway. So actually sod it. I don't want to cared. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I tell you, like, I mean, I, I mean, be, being honest, like, I never really caught a lot of the Games World programs, but and and that makes me more intrigued in the show now. Yeah, and, and that's but, the rarer one. That's the yeah. one that people have less copies. There are some on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but out of context, it's a weird show <laughs> because yeah. what we did is that Monday nights were a, a show called Eliminator where uh, kids played against each other to get one winner. Then there was a show, there was a live show. This is series two and on, which I I, I don't count series one because it was, it was very different and a bit weird. But series two had a live show where we played video games live with contestants at home using telephone technology. It never worked. It was, I don't know why we did. Um, then it was another episode of the Eliminators, so another couple of another kids uh, doing stuff. Then it was Big Boy Barry's show. First, it was called Barry's Joypad. Then it was Barry TV, and that was a comedy show. That was a that was a comedy show with David Williams and Alex Verry as Big Boy Barry, with reviews and news and games features, sort of like shoehorned in. And then on the Fridays was uh, Beat the Elite, which was a cross between Gladiators, WWE um, and Games Master, where kids, the kids that had won in the individual Eliminators would come on and play against the Videators, of which I was one, to try and win prizes. And that was and that was essentially Games World. And it was on every single night of the week. And it ran for three years. And then I brought it back again as a morning show for Sky about three years after that. And we did it for another massive run. And it was, that's the problem is that it was on Sky at a time when Sky was still a fledgling yeah. service. Um, so while there's there was an awful lot of content, not, you know, Games Master had a peak audience of 4 million people, um, whereas Games World had a peak audience of 400,000 people. That's that's the main difference. And you had the Games Mistress, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Di- Diane Udale. Jet that's right, yeah. From Gladiators, yeah. She was a lovely person as well. She was really, really easy to work with. Really nice person. Yeah, I, I kind of get that. I mean, she she does her Gladiators podcast now, and I whenever I hear her talk, I don't know. Like sometimes, you know, you just you just hear someone speaking, or you talk to somebody, and you just know that they're like proper nice, genuine person. Yeah, and she just seems to come across as one of those kind of people. So it must have been really cool to work with her. It I was, had no it idea was... until now she had her own podcast. That's interesting. <laughs> Um, but there were so many people came out of those shows. I mean, Matt Berry, he yeah. came. He was a runner on Games Master. Who I then I was offered a job at another company, and they wanted me to do a new TV show for them for the Sky Computer Channel. And uh, Matt was Matt basically used to make me laugh, so I went, let's put him on on screen, see what happens. And the rest well, is thank history. You. Thank <laughs> you for doing I'm, that, Rick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole world uh, thanks you for Matt Berry. And and on that show, the editor was a guy called Gareth Edwards, who just so happened to have oh, wow. made St- Star Wars Rogue One. Wow. <laughs> so, well, thank you for doing that too, Rick. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of people came from that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But like, good. I mean, if if someone was to try and do the same to Games Master and put all their all the Games World episodes on a, on a DVD, it'd be quite like the James Bond box set or something, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got a couple more questions before we yeah go for it. Get into your picks. Like with the Games Master oral history book out now, was there anything you read in there that you that you learned for the first time or surprised you? I- there were there were things in there that I'd completely forgotten. Well, actually, the biggest thing that surprised surprised me is because I hadn't spoken to Dominic for a very long time, and and I knew because I know Jack Templeton who was mm-hmm. writing it with Dom, and Jack kept contacting me, and I did all my interviews with Jack, 
so so all all the stuff in the book that is credited to me i had i had done a long chat with jack and uh, so i still hadn't talked to dominic so it was really nice for me to see some of the comments dominic made about my contribution on games master because sometimes it can go it went so quickly we're all in our mid-20s so we all went out a lot and things that you don't take you don't stop and take notice and you don't you don't quite realize what you've got until it's gone and so going back to the book and just reading some of the things he said that genuinely genuinely made me happy but the, uh, the there was one, and I think it's the caption on the one photo of me in the book. I mean, that in itself, considering how many series I did, one photo of me yeah. in the entire book. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I'm, I was, yeah, I'm, I'm only joking. <laughs> I, I was happy that there was a photo of me in the book. <laughs> I'm joking. But there is there is a caption of the one photo of me and Dom, and it's it's really lovely. But it's it's it was like a thing that i had genuinely not thought about for since it happened was me and dom trying to have a wee on the top of a bank and uh, near camden lock and falling down the the embankment whilst still weeing was genuinely (laughs) blind drunk and i i and it but i just made me laugh like a child it really did because i hadn't remembered that there were there are other things i think i can't i don't think we put he put in the book that he could have that also made me laugh when we were chatting ourselves but that one that i think that's the bit that and also the other thing is is that first season i had nothing to do with so it was great reading about first season yeah and it reminded me how important people like dave perry was to the show because he was a researcher on the very first season of games master but so was jason bradbury and people might not remember jason bradbury but jason bradbury was a presenter of the gadget show for many many years but he was a researcher on games master season one and there are little things like that that i just went oh wow so so even i learned something from it yeah no it's really cool yeah because obviously for, for, for me as a viewer you never really i don't know like you, you watch the show and you moved on and you never really thought about what what occurred behind this program and how it how it was made and that kind of stuff and i guess you don't really think about that kind of stuff until you're a bit older and even as a as an adult and i would think about games master and i think there must be like um riches of stories to be told oh without a shadow of a doubt <laughs> yeah without um, a shadow of a doubt um i think in the book i think there is one bit that says that i my nickname at games master was was rick and Ori. <laughs> yeah and more recently my friends have called me rickypedia it's because <laughs> because there are so many stories from that period. Yeah. And I'm, you know, once I've had a, a bevy or two, I'll generally regale people with that, you know, it. it's it's hard to sort of like get them down to the basics of these stories because there are so many things that happen. It was yeah. so funny and such a joy and n- never had another job like it. Yeah. Never. And never will. I can't imagine ever have, being able to repeat something like that. And I would find it very hard for people to repeat what we what we did. Purely because we we didn't take ourselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. We genuinely didn't. So that's where all the stories come from. I remember we went and played football at Arsenal's... Uh, was it at the Emirates or was it, was it Highbury? I think it was when it was still Highbury. And... We got chased off the grounds by one of the groundskeepers, by one of the Arsenal groundskeepers, because we were weeing all over the Arsenal <laughs> team bus. Me, me, and Dominic. 
and just things like that, little Brilliant. little stories, just little things, us giggling as we're running away from the thing, going, <laughs> weed on Arsenal's team bus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and even bad stories, like when we went out for a, a meal once and all the way through a meal, some blokes in the next table kept flicking bits of poppadom at Dominic going, give us a cheat for Mario, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Just little things. There were so many, so many weird moments. And and on set stuff, you know, and it was a joy. It was genuinely a joy. Going to work, we used to, to give you, to put it all into context, we used to have to start very, very early in the morning. Uh, My cab would pick me up at about 5.30 in the morning on filming days and drive me to East London or wherever we were filming at the time, drive me there. And then you'd sit around for a good hour or two and then we'd start filming. And then at the end of the day, it we wouldn't finish until about seven o'clock that evening. So it's a very, very long day. Not once did I complain. Not once did I need to, because it just was, it just felt fun, you know? And I've never done, I've done a lot of TV shows since and I've never felt like that again. Yeah. I felt is. like, oh wow, this is dragging on. Yeah, I think there's a, I don't know, I mean, I think there's always a moment in, in everybody's life, I think, where, where they land and they just have this point in time of their lives where they look back and it was just perfect. Yeah. It, kind it was, of it was, moments, you know, a, of a couple of years block or whatever where you look back on and go, do you know what, that was a really <laughs> I'm sure time. not everybody's got those memories. I'm sure well, the kid the kid who on series four in, the, in hell <laughs> who uh, could... <laughs> whose whose trainers melted in the cage that they were kept because because what the <laughs> oh this was the um the cage uh, if you go back to season four all the all the all the audience were kept in a cage yeah and it was very long days and they were often uh, um very um. Like lots and lots of reshoots. Like schools would go, yeah, let's go and be in the audience. Um, we'll happily send hundred, you know, fifty kids to be in the audience. N- never, never returned <laughs> because it is a long day for those for those audience members, especially when you're going to put them in a cage and put under lighting, yeah. and many- you're using studio lights, not normal lights, studio lights underneath the floor of a cage <laughs> and then asking those kids to stay in there for an hour or two. How many passed one, out, Rick? How many passed um, out? Well, uh, apparently there were a few and yeah. one kid's trainers melted. God. I'm not surprised. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> genuinely, um, some I mean, people probably crazy. came away. It must have been literally standing on the light for that to happen. Uh, well, it was hot. <laughs> it was, yeah. it, was, it was very, very hot. So, yeah. that, that's funny you say that because, like, I mean, I've watched some serious fall back on YouTube, and I see the kids in the cage. I mean, even, and I'm thinking to myself, even in the nineties, how did they get away with doing putting kids behind <laughs> in a cage? <laughs> the amount we used to get away with, you know, the, the latest series of Games Master, the one that has just been on on Channel Four, that that throws contestants into a sort of like, and it's meant they're meant to fall down into hell. Oh, it's the abyss, yeah. Yeah, into the abyss. Well. That was actually taken from Games World, the series that I did for Sky when I came back. And what we actually did is we built a genuine, like done like an Aztec thing, a genuine execution pit. And (laughs) it had steps up and there was a good three to four foot drop onto massive cushioned mats. And if you lost on my show, and this is my idea, if you lose on the show, I said, rather than just go and, oh, you haven't won, bye. 
we literally throw you into a pit. <laughs> <laughs> and then there would be smoke coming out of the pit and it looked like you've been consumed by fire. And and in fact, and then we would put on a, a, a um, sound effect that just went, ah, thud. Brilliant. <laughs> right? So I thought that would be funny. And the kids loved it, absolutely loved it. And yet, you know, nowadays, can you imagine that? Can you imagine <laughs> saying to somebody at, at BBC, right, what I want to do is I want to throw, <laughs> I want to throw literal <laughs> children into a four-foot pit <laughs> just because and and while the, and while we're taking them to the pit everybody else including the entire studio audience are going to shout loser oh god no yeah right no. <laughs> so get we did and, we, and yet we did that we did that for half a year on on sky <laughs> so yeah and that's just pure 90s though that's brilliant it is it yeah. is you would not get away with it any other no. time and that is that is the 90s were a golden period for television yeah. as a viewer as well you know, I was I was big fan of um, all the sort of like the youth programming on BBC Two and Channel Four at that time. That yeah, people we were like, too, um, yeah, yeah, um, and I can't remember I can't remember the name. Network Seven. There we go. Network Seven, which was Janet Street Porter's show that sort of preceded Gamesmaster, and you know these shows are just and the word mm-hmm. and youth television around that time. Oh man, it was perfect. Yeah, TFI Friday. And... Yeah. And it was, and, and the reason being is that we still have that stuff. It's so disparate because there's so many channels and so much other content with Twitch and YouTube and all the other, uh, and TikTok, that it distills mm-hmm. that. So it's out there. It's still happening. Yeah. But it's so distilled. Whereas at that time, we only had what the five, cha- four channels, sorry, four channels. Yeah, Channel and, 5 was like late 90s. Yeah, it? it was a lot later. Yeah, right at the end of the 90s, Channel 5 popped along. And and so all of the stuff that you would now see in much more niche areas was actually on terrestrial TV. Yeah, yeah, I'm very grateful for that too. You know, I, I do think these days we have too much and it's imp- it's just impossible. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's, it's, so- it's over-consumes it's, me. It's, it's overwhelms me. It's the I'm saying the Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I, exactly. I, I often go to get Xbox Game Pass going, what am I going to play today? And I end up not playing anything because it's, too, <laughs> it's like way too much choice. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess before we just get into your picks, uh, have a quick chat about them as we've been going for so long already. I can't believe it's gone so high so fast. But I just wanted you to talk a little bit about the podcast that you do, The Game of Life, and you know the, the, the premise behind it and why you started doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Games Life, uh, the, the name is... is is obviously a, a sort of like a, a work, as long as as long as um futures lawyers aren't listening <laughs> the um the name is clearly inspired by games master but it it also basically explains what it's about because it is what i do is i decided that i wanted to talk to people initially i wanted to talk to people that i already knew who had been in the video games industry for quite some time and it was initially devised as a way of talking to all my old Games Master and Games World friends to kind of get their opinions on that time of our lives. Mm-hmm. So I called it Games Lifer because I thought, Dave, you have spent a lifetime in games. But it, but then I it expanded the remit slightly. So basically what it is, is it's a, it's a podcast where I have one guest on and what we do is we look at that 
person's life from the very beginning, from when they first started playing video games, all the way through to what they're doing now, and, inter and it's interspersed with the five games that are most significant to them. Not necessarily the games that they like the most, might be the games they hate the most, but they are significant. And that has already, and we've only done four episodes, the fifth one is soon to come out, but that is, that is, it has thrown up some quite extraordinary answers so far. Mm. Um, uh, one, the very first episode of Games Life where I did with Alex Ferry, who was Big Boy Barry on Games World, who is also, he's a PR man in the industry. He, he currently works with Embracer Group, who are buying pretty much every video say, that's games quite company. A, quite a massive company now. Yeah. And he... Um, and he revealed that uh, Tetris on the Game Boy was his favourite. It was was one of his choices because it's the it's the one game that his dad ever played. His dad wasn't a gamer, and his dad sadly passed away. And so he has never taken that game out of the Game Boy. He's never played another game on that Game Boy uh, because he never wants to take Tetris out of the Game Boy. And that suddenly, and that was on the first episode. And suddenly, I went, "That's why I'm doing this podcast." because it's for stories like that it's it's that thing where you can find out some something that you never knew about a person that you might already think you know a lot about the dominic diamond one was just hilarious i mean that was just <laughs> just me and dom just catching up on old times but you know there are others there are others in the pipeline as well that i've recorded that have got very similar kind of connotations to the first one as well so uh, and hopefully We'll have some really good guests, but my my only problem is is I'm uh, I'm idea rich, time poor, yeah, and I tend to I, I was planning on getting a games lifer episode out every single month. It's now over a year and a half, and I've only done five. I can't remember when we had Dominic Diamond on. He mentioned. I don't know. I know. I don't yeah, think he, yeah. he, he might have he, mentioned that he did one with you. Or, yeah, he or, did do one, and it took me six months to yeah, edit it. And I was like waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> he, for it to drop. Oh, like, he was spitting feathers. <laughs> he was fuming. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and everybody who you know ever saw him on anything other than Games Must, any of the other stuff, will know he can swear like a trooper. Mm -hmm. And boy, did I get my DMs filled with Dominic swears. <laughs> I bet you did, because <laughs> he because he was trying to use that podcast as as promotion for yeah. his uh, big pu his big purple yeah. column or little yeah, purple stack, column, wasn't it? Yeah. And of course, it took me six months to get it done be yeah. purely because I also um, I also host the Pocket Lint podcast, which is a weekly podcast mm -hmm. that I do for PocketLint.com. And that's half an hour about tech chat. And again, I interview people on that, but it's much more conventional kind of interview. It's like ten, I spend 10 minutes talking to someone like Jack Dorsey, ex-Twitter or, or, or something like that. But And that's much more sort of like tell us about your product and all that sort of thing. But Games Lifer I do as a passion project and I absolutely love doing it. But unfortunately, I'm just not very good at turning it around very quickly. So if you do end up coming on it, if someone's listening and wants to be on my podcast, don't expect it to come out anytime soon, <laughs> even if we record. It. What I've started to do as well is I've got one coming up with a guy called Mike Channel from Outside Xbox, which is obviously it's a, a podcast that uh, sorry a YouTube channel that has millions of viewers, yeah. and he is a massive Games Master fan, but also brilliant journalist, truly brilliant journalist that I've wanted to talk to for years, but I've never met him before. So uh, well, in fact, we both worked at the same place, but we never even spoke. So um, it was great having him on because yeah. I didn't have a clue about his life journey. 
Yeah. So for me, I learned so much. And that, again, is a great way of doing it. Whereas with the Dominic one, I obviously knew what he did, how he got into games. I knew all that already. But you probably knew what game picks he was going to choose too. No. that <laughs> He chose some classically good games, actually. Yeah. Some really good picks he had. So, yeah. So it's just... Um, it's, it's a great podcast to do. I, I thoroughly enjoy myself doing it. I don't enjoy myself editing it. okay well let's let's leave games faster behind and talk about some films and tv and video games that were important to you and why don't we start with your film that you chose right yeah three decades it's quite a a broad a broad gamut (laughs) it was easier when we used to just do the 90s you know because it was just pick a pick pick them from the 90s so at least you only had 10 years to choose from yeah Um, but now now it's three or 30 years yeah it's quite a it's quite the question but it at the same time is it it I actually enjoy doing it because it. I came up with things I think that I wouldn't have initially have thought of. Mm-hmm. My initial choices would have been very different to the, than these three because, for example, and I'll, I'll 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 use this as a caveat. Every interview I ever did about Games Master back in the nineties, every single one of them said, "What's your favourite film?" Mm-hmm. And every single one of them, I'd say, "Escape to Victory," the film with Pele, Bobby Moore, and Sylvester Stallone. Okay. Who who have to escape a prison of war camp, prisoner of war camp? I have vague memories of that. Yeah. I think. and um, and it's not my favourite film at all. <laughs> I was going to say, it's but actually it, your but it genuinely made me laugh, and genuine. Not the film didn't. It genuinely made me laugh to say that as a film because everybody go, what, why, yeah. and and so I would always say that. So I ne- very nearly said that, but I didn't want to because I thought actually I'm going to say things that I genuinely loved. And, and have good reasons for. Right, so the film that I chose was Weird Science. And the reason why I chose this film actually changed literally about 10 minutes before the, we started doing the podcast. Because the main reason I chose this film is I absolutely love the film. Mm-hmm. I've always loved the film. It's probably one of the films I've seen more, more often than others. It's, um, it's my Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because it's just zany and crazy, and I, 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 there's a bit in it as well that he, me and my wife, every time police come on the, the band, police, not the police, suddenly turn up. <laughs> um, <laughs> the band police are on telly. It, I always go, Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light, <laughs> which is a sequence out of Red Weird Science. It's just, and it reminds me of that little bit in in the film. Very funny film, probably horribly inappropriate now and misogynistic, but I absolutely adore it. I adore everything about it. I adore the people in it, and I still to this day think it's an incredibly funny film, if awfully put together. <laughs> it's one I've never. I've never seen it. You've never seen Weird no. Science, right? Well, there you go. Here's, here's, you've now learned something. You must go and see Weird no, Science. No, I will. I mean, it must be on a streaming service somewhere. I'm sure it is, and if it is, I'm sure I can still get a copy somewhere. It's, it's on YouTube. Many people have uploaded it onto YouTube in full. 
Oh, okay. right. There you go. Um, and Bill Paxton is in it. The late great uh, Bill I Paxton, him. yeah. Yeah. And I was the, the military jock older brother, wasn't he? Yeah, and I was I, I was a huge Bill Paxton fan after Aliens. So it genuinely, it's, it, it, that probably got me to want to see Weird Science to begin with. But yeah, absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Loved that film. But the reason that I suddenly remembered just just only about half an hour before we started the podcast was that there is a significant reason for it as well because I first saw Weird Science at a, at a cinema in Hampstead. I smelt burning smoke during the screening. Never thought anything of it. Found out the next day that the cinema had burnt down. Oh, oh God. So literally after the film had finished and I'd left, the cinema had caught a flame. And so it, you know... Weird science was the fact that it was short saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that you can be thankful for. Yeah. <laughs> and I and genuinely I only remembered that just before I went, Oh god, wow. yeah, the cinema burnt down straight after Weird Science. So it has god, a, yeah. another significance, yeah. They well, rebuilt the film, cinema. You'd be screwed, it? wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Rings, that was it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I'm grateful. Like I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Oh, Robert Downey Jr. That's that's interesting." Yeah, yeah Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. You should watch um, it, Jason. Um, well, like, like the whole premise of the film, you know, two teenagers they want to create the perfect woman, so they try and do this in in a computer, and like she comes alive. I mean, and it's Kelly Mabrock and Kelly yeah. Lebrock as well. Yeah. I'm in. Don't worry. I'm in. And it's it's really funny, genuinely yeah. funny, and it's it's got loads of. And it's silly. I mean, that's the thing about that's, it. Is that's that, what makes it and, charming, is it's yeah. just pure John Hughes silliness. And, and we we absolutely don't get that in cinema today. No. There, I've, I, was, I was thinking this. I Literally, a couple of days before you even asked me to think of a film, um, I was thinking all those 80s silly films, all those 80s comedies that just were slapstick or a bit weird or a little bit sort of like um, kids that... It's, you just there are no comedies in cinema today that can reflect that period. They have to be a little more socially conscious. Whereas these yeah. weren't socially conscious at all. It's just we're two losers at school, and so we create the perfect woman, and then teach the bullies, you know, something about their bullying. That's it, in a nutshell. And and during that process, we'll be fighting. I think werewolves on bikes. And- <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because. I remember what I said to Jason pre-show, like me and my, well, my brother probably doesn't remember, but I used to watch it quite a lot. It was one of the few videos I'd recorded off off the TV, probably a late night Channel 4 showing or something. And I was proper into sort of high high sci-fi concepts in the 90s when I was a kid. And this film spoke to me on so many levels and I was just blown away by it when I was a kid. I was like, just too... Just like you said, just two charming losers who are good at math and science, and they create a replicator by hooking it up to a computer and making 3D models. And then anything they put into the scanner, they can create life <laughs> as a replica of whatever toy or thing they put into this machine. And it was just like, what is going on? And then, like you said, it's just such a clusterfuck of insane concepts and comedy. And it's great. Yeah. It's absolutely it- great. It throws everything at you. 
It literally throws everything at you. There are so many mental moments in that movie. And it's just amazing the, the, who's in the cast. Like Anthony Michael Hall, like oh. another guy who has not stopped working for about 40 years. He just keeps going and turning up in things. And a Very um, funny as well. Yeah. A very funny man. Yeah, it's just one of those few few memories I have of being a kid and watching films you shouldn't be watching at that age. But yeah, it, it didn't it didn't turn me into a weirdo. In actual <laughs> in actual fact, those films shaped my sense of warped sense of humour and understanding of the world more than school did. <laughs> and I genuinely I, I put it in the same category as Team Wolf and Back to the Future and there was there, there was a run of films around that eighties period that were about. Sort of high school kids getting into trouble yeah. in some some respect or another, and it was always to be something to do with technology or science. And even just thinking about it now, it may have pushed me into the path that I'm now on. I don't possible. know. Okay, Rick. Well, let's move on to your TV pick. It's almost on a similar theme in the fact that it's zany and crazy, and it was the it is still to this day the Young Ones is one of my favourite TV shows of all time. And the main reason, I ch- oh, not only is it utterly brilliant, and there are a couple of good reasons for that. The zaniness of it is very similar to Weird Science, but the the fact that it was only, what, 12 episodes in total, never made any more, I think distilled it into something that was perfect. If it had gone for many years, then I think it would have devalued the show. But the fact that it was just six, two series of six episodes each made it, unforgettable television it the reason why i choose it is because it came out at a time i must have been 12 13 when it came out and it was naughty to watch it so for for a young child like myself at that time and it just but it expanded my mind it just gave me an idea of how comedy could be and could be you didn't have to be serious all the time you didn't have to try it could you could have a go at the government but in a way where you're just using a puppet uh, hamster you know it's just but but the main reason i chose it actually is because uh my name actually comes from it (laughs) so yeah i renamed myself my real name is richard so it's not too far away but i when i first started in the games industry actually so it must have come out towards the end of the 80s i wouldn't been that young when young one started but um but when i first started in the games industry as on as a staff writer on a magazine you only got a first name byline and there were two other Richards on the magazine. Right. So I had to change my... If I wanted to stand out, I I was to change my name. And so what I what I did is I changed my name to the name of the person I adored most in the world, and that is Rick Mail. And oh, at that time. Yeah. So and that was from the young ones. So so I changed my name to Rick with the same spelling as Rick Mail. Yeah. Because I just went, the man's a hero. I want to, um, I'll change my name to Rick and uh, I'll take his spelling. <laughs> so that's why The Young Ones is the most significant TV pick. But it's also just a brilliant show that I can watch over and over and over again. Bottom, I can as well. But Young Ones is just one of those things that I still to this day, I, I watch it and I think, I don't know how they created it. I don't know how, how the, the, all the little nuances of the way that the comedy works and it interleaves and all the little offshoots and the side side parts and the, it's so layered and it influenced everything I did in television 
everything. Not so much on Games Master, although the <laughs> innuendo, obviously, yeah. the innuendo and that kind of thing was obviously influenced. But the on Games World, we there were so many things that we wrote for Games World that were just where we tried to just be a little bit bit, bit more anarchic, anarchic. And certainly with the stuff I did with Matt Berry later on for a show called Game Over, which I mentioned earlier, that was very heavily influenced by Games by the young ones there was there there were bits where it was a video game show but we would cut to three men on a bench with little cowboy hats on dancing and going yee-haw and then it cut like blip straight back into the show again for no apparent reason that was all from the young ones that was all inspired by the young ones so uh yeah so it's it, it, when i say it was a, a good show to choose it was a good show to choose because it it helped me in my career not just and and gave me the name that only that everybody bar my mum and my sister call me. <laughs> Do you That's think, amazing. Like, you you mentioned obviously like Games Master and like obviously the the series that you was involved with were very you know laddish and everything. Do you think it was a little bit like the young ones? There were well, there's lots of different characters all yeah. cocking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, four of us essentially. <laughs> well, no, there was Dave, there was me, Kirk, Dave, Derek Lynch, five of us. And Dominic um, and Patrick Moore, but we, he, I, I wouldn't say he was particularly into cocking about. Certainly, it allowed us if, if the young ones hadn't been before us and shows like that as well. There was a show called Kick Up the 80s, I think it was called, with Rick Merlin as well, and and Far Show and shows of that ilk. We would not have been allowed to do what we did because they kind of were trailblazers and carved a new a new way of doing comedy where you didn't have to always have set up middle punchline so you could you could just freestyle a little bit more and you and and it would you would still get the same results which is ultimately people either enjoying it or laughing there are other shows that I could have chosen that I absolutely adore still to this day but when when I was thinking about it I just thought do you know what there isn't any other show that probably influenced my life as much as the young ones did. Yeah. If you if you could be one of the young ones characters, who would you be? I would always want wanted obviously, I would have wanted to have been Adrian. Or Vivian Vivian? Vivian. Yeah. Mm. Adrian Edmondson's character. I would always have wanted to have been Vivian because he just got away with absolutely everything, including <laughs> murder. But I can't help but feel that I would have been Rick. The the one that nobody that tried too hard all the time to make everybody mm-hmm. laugh and and uh, and was a, a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> 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 I I can't help but feel that that would have been me, <laughs> genuinely. But um, but yeah, I, I, I would love to have been Vivian. Yeah, because he, he was. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get on to your video game choice. And what did you pick? All right. Um, this was the hardest. Considering yeah. considering the the gamut of stuff, and that there are so many games that have very personal things for me, but I suppose my favourite game, not my favourite game of all time, but certainly the game that I remember changing my perspective on games, literally, <laughs> was 3D Death Race on the ZX Spectrum, and that's because I got a ZX Spectrum in 1982, which was which was the first first games machine I owned. Um, previous to that, we had a Sharp MZ80K in the house and an Apple IIe. 
I seem to remember, because my dad's always been a gamer. My dad has actually finished more games than I have. Since he retired, he um, he's completed every single Tomb Raider game that's ever existed. He's completed every Assassin's Creed that's ever existed. Wow. Yeah, and he's in his <laughs> 70s, and he's still obsessed. He, he recently completed Halo Infinite in two days. Brilliant. Love it. So, uh, this is going to be me when I'm his age. Yeah, oh, and certainly me. And he, so he very much was the one that introduced all this stuff to me. And and he bought me a ZX Spectrum for Christmas one year. In Well, like not one year, 1982. And one of the very first games I got was 3D Death Race. Now, before that, the only games I'd ever seen were on the Atari 2600 and things like, and in the arcades. So like Space Invaders and Pac-Man and very 2D, very um, flat basic sprite experiences 3d death race now there's probably a lot of people that don't remember that game and don't know what that game is but it was essentially a very basic version of the um speeder bike chase in star wars in return of the jedi and it you were on a speeder bike or a bike and you had to chase another bike while trees zipped past you in 3d and on the zx spectrum in 1982 that was mind-boggling the the sense of genuine speed and genuine 3d that you felt is what you would probably now feel if you're racing through a uh, wipeout you know because it it's because games are very contextual a good game today is not the same as a good game back then because you can only compare it to the things that are next to it. It's peers. Sure. So it's peers at the time on 3D Death Race because it was on a ZX Spectrum and because you'd only ever seen small little sprites jumping around. The fact that you had whole trees zipping past your bike was extraordinary. And I played that and I played it and I played it. And that, it showed me that there was more to video gaming. And that probably is what open my mind to video gaming as a passion not just a pastime and that's something i've never lost never lost ever since it's just everybody must have one game that's like that that has genuinely made them go right bang i'm in yeah that, that was, was my- um a link to the past for me on the snares <laughs> oh yeah i mean i my brother used to have the spectrum which i obviously took over every now and again when he weren't looking um <laughs> <laughs> but I never really realised that it could do the 3D graphics like that. Oh, yeah, that's that's the thing, is not many people even attempted it afterwards. Yeah. And it was, and this is even more mind-boggling, is that it ran on a 16K spectrum. Oh, okay. So it, you didn't even need the 48K spectrum, because when spectrum came out, there were two two versions. There was one with 16K's worth of memory, one with 48K of memory. You could get a memory pack as well, which I did eventually get, and I sort of like expanded my, my spectrum. But my first ever spectrum was a 16K spectrum. So there were certain games I couldn't play that were coming out for the 48K version only. But so 3D Death Race ran on a 16K spectrum and still had graphics like that. Now, it's if people want to see what I'm talking about, I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there that will show you 3D Death Race. But it is, it's, and it'll, and you'll go, that looks awful, <laughs> because in context it will. Yeah. However, it not, was not in the 80s. Was, yeah, it was mind-boggling at the yeah. time, mind-boggling, and that's that's why I chose it. I mean, it, again, there were so many other games I could have chosen, and if you're if you you know you'll let me, I want to say one more game. Sure. That I very nearly chose that for a very different reason. 
was Kenny Dalglish soccer match on the Amstrad CPC. And the reason that I would choose this would have chosen this game is because it is literally the worst video game that was ever released, in my opinion. <laughs> wow. And and I reviewed it. I was the editor of um, Amstrad Computer User at the time. And I reviewed it and gave it 5% because <laughs> you could... Because you could reuse the plastic case that it came in for one of your own tapes. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. it is literally the worst. And the worst thing is, I'm a Liverpool fan. Yeah. So Kenny Dogley's <laughs> soccer match just offended me so much. <laughs> it's, it's the only other game that is so memorable from those days that I genuinely, uh, you, I, I, you I think must it have was worth gutted. Oh yeah, absolutely <laughs> gutted. It was. It was. <laughs> I, I had to go back and even look on Wikipedia about this game and it reminded me of a few things. The ball, it was it was like a, a kickoff clone. I don't know if you remember Clicker or Sensible World of Soccer. That's another yeah. one that people will remember. Yeah. So it was like a a, um, a a vertically scrolling football game with goal at one end, goal at the other end, and you had little players that ran backwards and forwards. And But the ball just continually bounced <laughs> for the entire time. There was never a time when it was on the floor. And also, if you, <laughs> as a player, the ball stuck to you. Right, okay. There was no sort of like, it didn't bounce off you. There was no physics whatsoever. So all you mm -hmm. had to do is just run. And all the other players, for some weird reason, decided to run away from you whenever you were anywhere near them. <laughs> so, so they would all scatter like anything. And you just ran up the pitch with this ball bouncing up and down in front of you all the way and just ran into the goal. That's all you had to do. Mm. Oh, God. It I can see why up. now. Yeah, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. And I don't know why they released it like in, in that state. It was a thing. But it does also remind me of one of the things that I did that did make me chuckle now is that um, that got me into video games journalism in the first place is I wrote a, a back in the day in of computer magazines they used to print listings in basic for different computers so that, that you, you would buy the magazine and you would type in the listing and you would have a game. It would take days to do a good game because you you would have to type in days you know absolutely thousands of lines of code well, can you imagine if you got like a character wrong well yeah there. this was the thing i mean this is, i remember a world cup game that my mum typed into our, our sharp mz80k and and that's how i learned basic programming because i had to debug it afterwards because there was so much wrong with it and i wrote a space invaders game especially Invaders style game for legal reasons that on in basic that i sent to popular computing weekly who printed it clearly having never tried it oh, okay <laughs> because because what i had done is i got to a point where i couldn't figure out how you could shoot the invaders i could only figure out how the shoot the invaders could shoot you so and i just got bored and then i sent it to them to win the 30 pounds or whatever it was they were giving away as the as the reward and um and they printed it, and they actually printed it. So it ended up being just a avoid the evaders game <laughs> <laughs> for the entire time. You couldn't actually score points because you couldn't actually kill the invaders. Oh no! Um, I hadn't worked that bit out. But that, that, <laughs> that's that's the that is the uh, that is my, the sum total of my programming days. <laughs> right in a space invaders game where you couldn't actually kill the invaders. Oh, you don't still have it, do you? No. no. Oh, no, sadly not. <laughs> so you could go back and finish it now, maybe. <laughs> oh, dear. Very That's funny.
Well, I think we've kept you long enough, Rick. You've been very generous with your time. And it's been an absolute blast just being just to just have a chat with you about everything that we have. Um, so thank you very much. You are most welcome. It's been, most a, welcome. been a good evening. It's been insightful as well. Yeah. It's been absolutely um, amazing. But I mean, we could. I mean, I, I could I could talk to you for at least a few hours, but obviously that's, <laughs> that can't happen. Can you just tell the listeners where they can get in touch if they want to? Yeah, um, I, I'm very, very much available on Twitter. Is probably the one place that I use more often than anything else, um, even with uh, Elon Musk. Um, so, uh, so just go to twitter.com forward slash Rick Henderson, R-I-K Henderson, all one word, and you'll find my Twitter feed there. More than happy to um, have chats online if you want to get in touch. I'm more than happy to spill the beans on more stories. <laughs> I've got, like I said, Rick and Ori. Yeah. So, <laughs> you should write a book. <laughs> oh, one day. One day I might. Okay. Yeah, if I can get the copyright clearance from everybody that I mentioned. Uh, damn copyright <laughs> licensing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so so that's the one that I, I'm most on. So, Get hold of me there, and also it's there. You could probably find out the details of Games Lifer, mm-hmm. my podcast. But it, Games Lifer is available on Spotify and iTunes, and just type in Games Lifer or one word. Yep, and I definitely recommend giving it a listen. It's as as Rick has mentioned, you know, like it, there's some fascinating conversations recorded for you to listen to from some very interesting people, and and a lot more to come. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, if I um, can ever get around, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and and we and it's our prop and it's our fault now. We've we kept you for a whole evening. Oh, no, maybe, it's you know. most welcome. I've <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed this. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Okay, and for the listeners, thank you as always for joining us. If you would like to donate to the show, then please visit our coffee page where you can show your support. Started from just a single pack. You can find a link in the show description or on our website. Speaking of the website, please give it a visit. We have articles, game reviews, our entire back catalogue of episodes and much more at thewolfypod.com. And you can also find the link on there to our Discord. So please come say hi. We'd love to see you there. Chaps, it's time to say goodbye. Cheerio. Goodbye all. My name has been Jason and you've been listening to Wolfie Retro Podcast to the Max. Ah!